Season 1, Episode 15 of Gup Chup Pod. I'm your host, Tejus, and you can follow me at My Life Isn't TV. It's a special episode, a slightly dated episode, where I talk to my friend Ash, who you can follow at Ashkoshbigosh on IG and connect with him on LinkedIn as well. We talk about canonizing memories, Ben Simmons and the little NBA chat, being comfortable with change, the vitality of youth, what is a capital A adult, and kuch kuch hota hai. It's a really good episode. Thank you all for being patient. Really excited for you all to hear this one. Yo, what's up? Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you just fine. How's it going? No, you know the usual. We are... Uh... Yep. Yeah, no, so just packing up the apartment, you'll hear some noises in the background. That's yeah, no, fine. Though. I can edit yeah. out as well. Tell her I say hi. Yeah. Katie says hello. How's your day been? How's work? Work's been good, man. It feels like I'm back in college. Like I'm learning a lot. It's like taking a class, like a whole ass class. I'm uh, learning a lot about the business of ad streaming and connected TV. It's It's been nice. So... Do you think you can, or would you be interested in us dropping off a piece of literature for you tomorrow? I actually have an extra book that uh, that could be useful for you. Um, yeah, hundred percent. Are yeah. you? I. What's the book called? Principles by Ray Dalio. Hmm. I will. I would love. I love books. I love getting books. I love giving away books. Amazing. We have an extra copy. I remember purchasing a second one for Carlo a while ago. Okay. So it's something that uh that you know it seems like just given where you are right now with this with this new uh new role might be something good for you. You like you like doing that. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, you like doing way. that. You like providing like the things that you think would be helpful to your friend to your mates. I I appreciate uh, it. I mean, I I don't know any other way to be. So I don't know if it's helpful <laughs> or appreciated or not. It's just how I am. Were you always like that? Like growing up, would you always be like, if people came over, friend, like, you know, family, friends, kids and stuff, be like, hey, you can play with my, you know, like, let's play PlayStation together. Or... Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think, I think um, it, like a lot of it for me is driven by remembering what it felt like to be the outsider. Mm. Um, I don't know if I was like, when I was much younger, if I used to do that, but I think a lot of it is motivated by like, remembering like being a new kid in school several times, like mm-hmm. being guys people don't interact with. And I think in those situations, realistically, right? Like that person just kind of needs a chance as opposed to be subject to the assumptions of the crowd. Yeah. And as soon as I kind of realize how it feels to be on the other side, I'm adamant on never doing that to other people again. So it's just like, if there's anything that I can do to help, if there's something that I can say, if there's something mm-hmm. that like, I don't necessarily need to go too far out of my way for I it's just been like a pretty central philosophy of mine yeah no I love that and like I mean you know that I'm like that we're like a rising tide raises all boats and there's yep, yep. there's some people once they climb as they get above on the ladder they like kick the ladder up away from everyone else and there are other people that yeah. like extend that ladder ladder further and I am more of the ladder than the former like yeah I mean it's something you and I talked about Right. Mm-hmm. Where it's just like, look, you can either be somebody who like spends the entirety of your time thinking about the allocation of the pie, assuming the pie is fixed, mm-hmm. or you can think about growing the pie for yourself and everyone else involved where the slice of it doesn't matter because it's just so large. You don't need to worry about it. No, I completely agree with you. And I, I mean, it is appreciated from my end as well. And I think that's why we continue to remain friends throughout this all the time especially as like you pointed out when we were able to meet in person a couple of weeks ago like even though you know things come in our lives we have our things that we're dealing with as we get older 
you know, we're still able to carve out that time and try to help each other out. It's nice and it makes the time more enjoyable. I mean, I was thinking back, you know, um, how do we meet? And yeah. I feel like uh, from that perspective, like the, the origin story of our friendship is, mm-hmm. is a little wonky because <laughs> I think and you, you let me know if your, your, your memory um, you know, serves the same or not, but I remember kind of seeing you and just on an arm's length basis, kind of like interacting with you over the first couple of years of college. Yeah. Right. Like you and I knew who each other was. We, I wouldn't necessarily say we were friendly. I wouldn't necessarily say we weren't either, but it was just like, Mm -hmm. we just kind of knew of the other person. We existed in the same space. Yeah. And I feel like we got closer and started spending more time together, maybe around junior or senior year of college. I would say like 2013, 2014. Okay. When effectively like, you know, our kind of close group of friends um, that you and I kind of still hang out with was kind of formed and, and became a little bit more outgoing. Like, I feel like, you know, yeah. Garan, Alman, um, et cetera, were like really seminal in, in you and I kind of meeting and establishing mm-hmm. a friendship on our own. And then it was, it was kind of a wrap since then. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, I like, I, I did know Vibov and through Vibov I got to meet Karan Aman and then through them I got to meet you but yeah that whole kind of group kind of that whole group basically formed together around that time when we started to want to spend more time with each other and I was also more in New York so I was able to yeah I and I, I vaguely have memories either like probably like freshman year of you like standing outside Weinstein ripping cigarettes like <laughs> I feel like that's where I like saw you most, even though like again we didn't interact. Like it's true, yeah. That's that's where you would be. It's true, yeah. It's a hundred percent true. Actually, I distinctly <laughs> remember that. I went there to go fill up my water bottle the other day, like because it's a free water station, and I'm trying to stay hydrated. And yeah, it was just like wow. It's been a long time since I did, you know, hood rat shit around here. <laughs> I see you're wearing a Federer T-shirt. Yeah, this is a this is a gift from Carla um, oh, for, for 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 the new job. So that's nice. very 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 happy with this purchase because nice. you know when other people purchase clothing for you, it's not necessarily the best thing or the worst thing. But mm-hmm. this one, like I said, very much uh, fit my aesthetic. <laughs> it's already moved up to the top. Like we all have a we all have like the list, right? Like what's the go to T shirt, second favorite, third, and this has already moved up to the top four, which does get you like first round in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah dude i'm i'm honestly so that's the thing like in the in the span of the move i think i might like throw away a bunch of stuff because there's like things that are like sentimental in value but it's really just like they're sentimental but i never wear them and clothing is not necessarily decorative right like you can't just put it somewhere in your house and like Mm -hmm. not use it and i think it's from that like minimalist utilitarian standpoint like (laughs) if i'm not using it and like only looking at it brings me happiness like i should just probably donate it do you follow that is it not it's must be Marie Kondo lifestyle. Like when it, yeah, uh, I've never watched that, but I think like naturally speaking for me, it's just like, I've lived so much of my life, like constantly on the go or like mm-hmm. moving, et cetera. It's just like, for me, it was one of those things where, where all of those things you effectively have to be accountable for. Right. Yeah. And you know, it's hard enough being accountable for yourself and your actions, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, why be accountable for like just, just a plethora of shit. <laughs> when you when you phrase it like that it does make me rethink because especially during this move there's a lot of things that i found i'm like why do i why do i still have this i found my nyu id from senior year i, I like, see, you know but that, that that's 
that's like a sentiment piece, right? Like something like that, you know, you put in a box probably with like letters from old girlfriends or something like that, or you yeah. like just hold on to that shit for whatever reason. <laughs> but like beyond the, the, you know, the contents of like said proverbial box, like I just don't think the rest of it is necessary. Yeah. I guess that's, I mean, I think it's just more about the stories, right? Like what you, what you've learned from those times and how you can share those with others to help impact them probably like the lessons you've learned so that way then maybe you know someone else can find it helpful yes i mean that's that's one thing where like i have like a a bunch of diaries or like mm-hmm. you know things that like you know look like a notebook or, or a small okay. notebook or whatever yeah and i realized i haven't written most of them and the reason i'm hesitant in throwing them away is twofold number one i remember my grandfather used to do that my grandfather wouldn't throw away a piece of paper yeah. uh, especially like a bound notebook or something until the entirety of it was written on Right, so right. I remember him like writing sideways and things using the backup pages, et cetera, <laughs> always. But right. the other piece of it is like, I, because of what you said, where it's the memory that's more important, writing down that memory is or canonizing it in that sense is, is mm. what's really important. So I want to keep these books for that reason in the sense of like, it'll force me to continue writing or start writing, I guess not continue writing with yeah. the hopes of just like being able to put memories from pen to paper and then not needing to hold on to the physical items as much anymore. That's a good point. No, that's a good point. I guess canonizing it does help, right? Especially what this is the longest period of time you've been in the same place, so to speak, while you've been in the area. Or... No, I think it's 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 tied. It's tied. Like I think wow. I think I ended up having two, maybe three year stints. But generally speaking, like yeah, it was. I think it was like you know, I definitely going to be at this next place for more than two years. So yeah, for sure. As uh, just to let the listeners know, and but you and Carla are moving to Brooklyn. Uh, yeah, it's confirmed, right? Like you, as you told me earlier in the week. I mean, it's 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 confirmed that it's going to happen soon. Let's just put mm-hmm. it that way. Like <laughs> it, the 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 two yeah the two prerequisites that are left before we can move is we need to schedule a walkthrough. Mm-hmm. where effectively we go into the unit and the things that like you know there's a scratch here or like hey did you guys do xyz whatever it is it's really like a list for the builders to confirm that these are things are going to be responsible for and that they're yeah. going to fix or work on and then after that uh once that quote-unquote punch list is completed we then you know get all the attorneys the mortgage bankers the buyers the sellers in one place and close okay so until then it's still not technically ours it's been under contract to us for the last year mm-hmm. but um getting close getting close so like i said have you um you know you you mentioned with all of these changes that are happening you know you're starting the new role that you mentioned would you consider this a point where if you start documenting your your uh reactions and your feelings towards all of these changes because you're someone that's obviously very comfortable with change you're, you're used to change in fact, and then, you know, you're coming up to a period of stability. And a lot of people when, when confronted, and I think about it in the sense of, let's take an athlete, for example, who's used to a certain routine, right? Especially, let's say journeymen, like veterans in the NBA that have bounced around every team across the city, they go to Europe, they go to China, Ben Simmons, for example, who will probably be there next year. I was hoping to time that while you were drinking your water. So that way then you would spit your water out. But I was. Uh... <laughs> no, mostly because I disagree with that. I think. No, <laughs> I, I think I think that guy needs a sports psychologist and he needs to work okay. with like lethal shooter or something to like mm. work on getting his jump shot. Because I like dude's a freak of nature, dude. What, what the hell else is That's... he going to do? 
you think that like some like he was just born with it he was just insanely talented on defense no, but he doesn't I'm, know how to shoot i'm sure he's worked for it to a degree but a yeah. lot of the things that i've heard from people is that um his circle really coddles him uh, and i feel like kind of what you and i are talking about right yeah. where it's just like if you're not someone who is comfortable with being uncomfortable and change it's really hard to grow and to improve mm-hmm. right so it's just like you know ben simmons is what like 610 like built like lebron has mm-hmm. handles like he's obviously a very natural like point forward type candidate or you know whatever he actually plays point but it's just like yeah. until someone forces you to be in the position of needing to be uncomfortable and to put that work in mm-hmm. and especially if the people around you are not folks that like or also have the same mindset and encourage you to kind of reach your best potential. Like you're not going to get there. That's true. You're, you're, you're the, you're the average effectively of like every decision you've ever made and every person you've ever been with. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. I guess, you know what I've heard? I've heard like in Australia, cause they have like a football league there that like everyone's favorite athlete is Ben Simmons. Like out of all of the people, the average Australian really wants to meet Ben Simmons. So he's like a big fucking deal there. And, yeah i'm sure he is yeah, which you know he he is i mean he is the biggest uh, biggest presence as an athlete and the nba has grown like monstrously all over the world um but i i can see how that could yeah. possibly lead him to him having just like a bunch of yes men around him and like you pointed out i don't i don't like that for anyone but especially for myself like like you said you do need to push i I still feel like when I heard that he got a coach and the co- and he didn't know which hand was his dominant shooting hand, I felt it was all over from there. When he doesn't know which hand he likes to shoot with, like how is this solvable? You know, but that that just no, but it, like you know, he can, he can do a lot of different things, but it's just like it's it's kind of those things where like let's put it this way, right? Like if you my approach is if you have this this large problem right any problem like your large problem being you are an nba player that cannot shoot from like 12 feet away from sure. further, <laughs> right it, it's like at some point you have to start making a decision of like okay cool if i'm comfortable with either hand fuck it let me just pick one kt was saying this as well he's like it doesn't matter pick a fucking hand yeah pick a fucking saying. hand like whatever what are you more comfortable with so or like not even if you're comfortable with both flip a coin right yeah, sure. and it's one of those things where like people <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel like there are very few things in life that are actually 50-50 odds where it's just like you flip a coin and whatever the outcome is you'll live with, uh-huh. either you'll be happy with that outcome because subconsciously that's what you wanted or you'll be unhappy and therefore you'll know, oh, what's the other thing that I want to do? Okay. Okay. Have you ever had to flip a coin for something? Uh, I, I feel like I tend to generally avoid those situations. Sure. You make because, a decision. You have yeah, a preference. Because I, I, and you know, this is something that I think you and I both also agree on where I really do think more is lost by indecision than wrong decision. For sure. For sure. It's like, it's like, there is no, it's not about, was it a right or wrong decision? It's like, can I make this decision right? Mm-hmm. Is more important. Yeah. Um, just because time and like the rest of these variables that we have no control over, and mm-hmm. you never know if it's a right or wrong thing to do. It's really just, it's, it's, it's kind of how does it settle and sit with you after the fact that ends up being more important than what the hell is it that I decided to do in and of that moment? Yeah. Yeah, no, completely agree. Because um, there was, just, just for context, there was a project earlier today and I was talking to one of the talent and he said he can no longer do the project and he, was, he felt like he had let me down. 
And I told him, you know, mate, like, don't worry about it because I'd rather try something and it doesn't work out than not try something and wonder five years from now, oh, what if I had done this or what if I had done that? And sitting on that indecision to me will lead to that, you know? I'm always like analyzing and I use this phrase a lot, but like paralysis by analysis, right? When, yeah. that, when that overtakes your mentality, it's really difficult for me at least to be able to, you know, feel that type of way and I just end up being with a lot of regret so I completely understand uh I completely understand how you feel about that yeah what were you mentioning earlier about uh kind of the desire to write and change and stability though we kind of went on this Ben Simmons tangent yeah <laughs> perfect I was just about to bring it up yeah for I think what I was going to get to was that especially for someone that is comfortable with the with change or comfortable receiving change, let's put it like that. I think mm -hmm. it's important to also document, you know, the processes and the challenges and how you overcome those. Because for a lot of people where change is not something that they're well received to, it's important for them to hear that. And a lot of people don't know what that's like, right? Because a lot of, we end up getting into these comfortable stages where we're not being pushed outside of our comfort zone. And that kind of can not, re that can stall a person's growth. And is there something that, I think that writing it down would also help other people in the future, but is there something that you would suggest for people that are, that are more resistant to the idea of change? What's some things that they could do? Well, I think, I think part of, I think most things, I think part of it, I think most things in life, like there, I, I really do believe there are very, very, very few like quote unquote absolute truths mm -hmm. in okay. life, like in a vacuum, like, you can think about something being like true hundred percent of the time, but when you really like model and test it out in real life, that's yeah. just not the case. Okay. And I think again, any, any, any belief that you may ha have, like, you know, something even as sacred as like, you know, you shall not kill, but it's just like in a situation where you're the one who's going to get killed. Otherwise, like, would you, I think you have to push a lot of those boundaries. Right. And I think mm -hmm. reframing the whole change concept for people who are, um, hesitant to think about it yeah i think I, I think again it's it's like you can call it change or as you pointed out very well like you can call it growth right so it's just like you may be resistant to change but if you ask somebody like oh are you resistant to growth you know most a lot of people won't say yes to that even if they are going to say yes to the question of yes i am resistant to change because mm -hmm. change scares me i'm uncomfortable you know i don't want to be vulnerable etc so i think yeah. that's what's really interesting where like to a degree you need to reframe things in a manner that ends up working for you because you know you we, we have to keep moving mm -hmm. you have to keep progressing you have to keep evolving otherwise you die like yeah no that's that's a good way of looking at it that's a really good way of looking at it i want to go back to something you had said earlier kind of talking about how we had met uh what is your favorite memory of us hanging out especially like the fact that we've been able to see each other in person very recently, but also, you know, occasionally throughout the pandemic. I, I think, you know, what our favorite memory is <laughs> just, just, and, and it's hilarious because it's probably like the single memory that we have where we don't have like a clear memory of what we were doing. <laughs> and, and, and I think, you know, that's how the story starts where I honestly forget how the night started in the sense that like i don't remember who the cast and characters were like i okay. feel like it was a bunch of us getting together maybe to watch a game 
Mm -hmm. or to get dinner or something along those lines. Like I want to say it was about a year, maybe a year and a half tops out of college. Okay. And we were all working. So it was a big deal for all of us because you know, yep. we were making our own money. We had full autonomy over our decisions and our mm -hmm. only responsibilities were really like work. Yep. And pretty sure it was a, like a Thursday night. <laughs> and I have no idea why, but you and I effectively got into a pissing contest to see who could drink more. <laughs> and like you know if we were to put this in like a tail of tail of the tape type standard right like <laughs> your your reasoning for why you could outdrink me was dude i am like literally twice your size like <laughs> physically speaking i drink basically every day of the week yeah and like you know i i'm an unstoppable force but to back up that i was then said immovable object going against unstoppable force I just doubled down on like, dude, I was in a fraternity, which I don't know what the fuck that means. You know, mm -hmm. people in fraternities drink or don't drink. Mm -hmm. And then I also then doubled down on my being Punjabi, just being like, bro, like <laughs> there's like a genetic advantage there. <laughs> that so, is That's very true. Just for the listeners to understand. Yeah. <laughs> so you and I kind of just like, again, like really tried to put our, our, our money where our mouth is. And it's hilarious because our friend Aman was with us. Mm-hmm. And Aman had both this like look of concern and also like bewilderment on his face. And we kind yeah. of made him like some sort of like de facto referee or judge, mm -hmm. if you will. Yeah. And then we bar hopped, I think from like one or two places, but like the climax of the story really ended up with us at, uh, at brother Jimmy's <laughs> where I think the structure that you and I kind of decided on, by the way, we were already sloshed. Like definitely neither one of us could have operated a motor vehicle at the time. Although we kept no. on saying like, Oh, I'm good to drive right now. Thank yeah. God. That <laughs> uh, wasn't really an option for any of us, but <laughs> you and I then tried to basically be like, all right, cool. You get the first round. I can get the next round, et cetera, et cetera. Until like, you know, one of us is blacked out or dead. I don't really know how that would have ended. It was just, yeah. it, there, there, we, we obviously, we weren't, really, it. we weren't really future planning at that point. <laughs> no. And it, and like, I remember, I remember like, I was like, okay, cool. Let's get a fishbowl a piece. And a fishbowl is literally a fishbowl filled with like something like six to 10 shots of liquor and like juice pretty mm -hmm. much. So it's basically yeah. like, you know, jungle juice. It's meant to be for groups of like three to four, which you and I started the night with being like, all right, cool. We're going to finish a fishbowl a piece. Uh-huh. You were then like, this is too sweet. And we started doing shots. We went shot for shot for shot. And we went to beer. And like, it, I want to say we had something like 12 to 15 drinks that night, maybe a piece. Yeah. And like, right. it was hilarious because at one point, like, I remember someone like begging us to stop. And rather than competing with one another, you and I kind of had this like unspoken agreement that let's just keep drinking because it's hilarious to torment someone. <laughs> Poor guy. Just and, caught in the crossfire. Yeah. And, you know, like at some point it ended because I think like I was on the verge of tears being like, I'm going to lose two friends tonight. <laughs> and we both ended up going home. And then it was hilarious because, again, like, you know, this is the vitality of youth. Like, pretty sure we both showed up to work the next day. I know I did. I remember that. Yes. Yeah. I remember like texting each other the amount of pain that we were in basically <laughs> over the course of the day and effectively conceding that nobody won. Yeah. everyone lost for sure and and i think that is my my single favorite memory of <laughs> or again lack thereof given like the holes in this story obviously i'm sure if like someone like 
retold the night, like it would be very different. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious to hear, like, what is what is your experience of that experience? Like, what else do you remember that can? I remember really not liking my work at that time. I remember yeah. really just w- every day waking up and wishing that I wasn't having to go to work. I just didn't like what I was doing. Didn't I didn't like a majority of the people I was working with. There were a couple, don't get me wrong. And like, I did like working for that company. It was just, I, I guess maybe it was also like I was a victim of my own kind of expectations. You and I have talked about this where like, you have a goal, you accomplish the goal. All right, what's the next goal? And then you get to this environment, like you said, a couple of years, well, a year and a half, maybe out of college, right? So I was just like, I remember it was really cold. So it was the winter of 2015 going into 2016 as well. Yes. Um, yeah, it was just like, I'd rather do anything but go sit at go sit at the desk at work surrounded by people that I just do not care about. And, you know, or like not caring about the work more importantly. Right. Like not caring about the work that I was doing. That was that was tough for me. I'll freely admit. And my escapism was this. <laughs> so what I remember was I really miss spending time with my friends, of course. But I also really miss like I also really miss talking and doing things that I found interesting. And, you know, nowadays being here, it's not like I mean, I'm not going to say I binge drink like that, but there are a couple of like couple events like uh, the game seven, um, any game seven, I feel like I'm going to, that's how I'm going to be like, but for example, just, just for example, I'm going to go watch the game later today with Dan Kim and we're going to go to Ainsworth, but we're not going to be drinking like that because no. we're not, we're not hooligans. Dan, Dan Kim is married and you're like a, a real human being. Now. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. Like I have, I have stuff, not only because I have stuff to do, but because I don't want to, that's the more important yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's that there's that party that's always like, come on, just just like that, you know, the one that's like trying to reel you in. But you, but I, there's other things I'm working on. This this podcast, the project that I told you about, trying to find out that solution. Other things, Chapati Man, I've taken a look at what you had told me in person, and going to see what I can do with that. Yeah. And I guess there's just other things that are interested beyond just getting absolutely annihilated. But I do like hanging out with my friends still. That's it's- something that I carve out time to do. Look, I like at this point, and I, like I would agree with you, right? Like I don't drink as much as I used to, like not even remotely close. And I yeah. think getting drunk at this point is an accident. And <laughs> we figure out the next morning if it's a happy accident or a miserable one. But sure. realistically, like it's part of it is really just like the the stupidity of us as young men thinking that like invincibility. Well, invincibility, yes. I'm sure invincibility is a catalyst, but like to a degree, there's a pride in like being able to outdrink your friends or to be like slightly more functional than your friends when you have drank a lot and it's just like i don't really know where the hell it comes from mm. real i really don't like I, I i i've thought about this before like i wonder if it's like a, like a cultural mainstay that we pick up at some point or what it is but like or and, and again in college it was like it, it's it's just it's it's hilarious but also super concerning now that like we used to say things like it's cool to black out. It's just like, mm-hmm. why is that the case? Yeah. I, I'm just, I'm so lost it, by that thinking now. I, I'm thinking it could be that it could be the drinking culture in youth kind of lends itself to that, right? Like who has yeah. the best stories, who has the, you know, who was there when it happened, who was still functional and able to, but I think there's also some kind of like responsibility that you have towards your friends where whenever someone does and not going to use any names in any of these stories, but just broadly say, you know, there have been times where we've had 
and maybe we've been in that scenario where we rely on our friends to help us out out of, of a tough jam, you know, at whatever stage that is. And when when that's there, then we know that like we can rely on them even when we're at our worst or like least present for them to like help a brother out. And I think there's yeah. that like solidarity with that, knowing like, ah, okay, that's that's how it is. Because I've been there. Dan Dan Kim helped me when uh when I was in uh, Vietnam and, you know, that same, like, it all kind of, it all circles back when you have good karma and you help other people out when you're in help, they'll come help you out. And I think that may play a factor in that. I mean, look, this is, some, this is like a bullshit phrase that I'm sure is like stitched onto a pillow somewhere, but like, I'd absolutely rather be like someone's shot of whiskey as opposed to everyone's cup of tea. And I think the reason for that is that like for people that we are close to or people that we feel close to, like, I think you and I generally speak our minds. Mm. And I think what that does is makes us somewhat polarizing in the sense of like people either genuinely love us or they really don't like us. Mm. Like, I don't, I don't think there's like an in-between for, for, for me and you. Like, I can't think of anyone I've ever interacted with in my life who's like, oh yeah, like he's an okay guy. Like yeah. I'm either like one of the better people that they know or they hate me. Mm. There's no in-between, I think. I think I I see I see where you're coming from, and I think there's there's definitely ways in which you have helped better other people in the sense that when we're talking about responsibilities, the work that you're doing, and the responsibilities that you have now as a late twenties, early thirties, like capital A adult, those are important, right? Like because there's like you're there's times when you're an adult, a young adult, a lowercase adult, but then you get to a point where there's like actual responsibilities, people that you want to help, and you're going to spend your free time helping. And that I think is where that just stems from like a belief that no matter what, whether or not people like you at that point, it doesn't matter because you are out there helping people and you got to give, you know, it's important to talk about those things. Um, I mean, I don't even know if it's helpful, but I, I feel like at the very least, like my expectation is that for those that are close to me, I really want you to always share, share your perspective mm -hmm. and like to let me know what you're thinking about something because at the end of the day like it might be something that reinforces something i'm thinking it might challenge me it might be yeah. a blind spot like i i think i've never been someone who is like uncomfortable with confrontation mm -hmm. but again confrontation is another one of those agents of change that we were talking about earlier right like things need to be somewhat uncomfortable for you to like be able to grow yeah i also really like that uppercase lowercase a adult <laughs> thing i might use that later feel free yeah especially because like you and i have both been working with both in working with people that are probably just like still in college or about to, you know, recently graduated. So at that point that we were five years ago and, you know, five, I'm not going to date at that point before, <laughs> I think. And I think it's important, like, like we were talking about at the beginning to like reach that hand out and be like, you know, I'm going to, th this is what, you know, I've learned this is what I do and, you know, extend that hand downward. Right. Because especially when you're in a, group of people that's underrepresented in the things that you want to see you're kind of like okay well how do i get more people and more yeah. voices like that right wait um, and i mean we we wait this is another thing that we've discussed right where it's just like it's completely okay to think of yourself as an individual but then you have to realize that you're also part of a collective at the same time yeah right you are both so how do you really manage that and ensure that you are both kind of doing right by you but also doing right by the stakeholders in your life, yeah. you know, your family, your friends, your coworkers, anyone you interact with really, yep. because, you know, we are, we're at the end of the day, like just a chain of communities that form one giant community on this rock. That's like hurling through space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
100%. And that's something that I learned during this pandemic that like we, at some point we have to rely on each other because there will be times where all we have is each other and that's all you can do. I wanted to ask you what's something that you've learned, whether about yourself or about your community since the start of the pandemic or in the last 12 months, in the last 15 months? Um, I, I think one of the things that is really important is to kind of break out of like an absolutist lens. And what I mean by that is like something is either A or B, right? It's just like, instead of or, it's probably and, right? It's mm. like, it's a spectrum of things where like nothing is 100% of one thing, right? And I think you and I have kind of discussed it before, like mm-hmm. those, those like pieces of art that, you know, people talk about that they see in museums and stuff where it's just like, you stand, you, you look at it, let's say from like the front of it and it looks like one cohesive image, mm-hmm. right? But then you get to the side of it and you realize it's actually like a bunch of like spaced out, like scattered out dots and lines that look completely different. Yep. And I think realistically, like that's where perspective and relativity becomes really important, right? Because like you might think about like, you know, life or like society, for example, right? From the standpoint of a, a social pyramid, if you will, right? There's people on the bottom, there's people in the middle, there's people at the top, et cetera. But yeah. like, that's only if you look at the pyramid from the front side of it, right? Hypothetically, imagine you were in a helicopter and you get right at the top of the pyramid at its apex or where its apex is and you look down the pyramid looks two-dimensional to you. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like a structure of people trying to climb up or down. It's just one shape. And it reminds you, like, we're kind of all in this together. Yeah. So I think it, to, to sum it up, it's, the idea is that, like, A, perspective is important. Like, relativity is, 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 is paramount in, in terms of, like, being able to understand things. Mm-hmm. But also at the same time, like, the idea that, like, it's okay for one thing to be, you know, two really polarizing contradictions mm. and for you to really be able to methodically think about both in the existence of one thing right i think the example that you and i used when we were talking about this was like let's assume that you know you are someone who genuinely loves your grandfather right mm-hmm. your grandfather is a great family person like you spend a lot of time with them and they yeah. like you know put your family in the position that it's in right now mm-hmm. but then you also find out that your grandfather was a rampant racist at one point in his own time right not not yeah. because like that's who he is or you know right. i'm not saying like carried out genocide or programs or something, sure. but i'm just saying like in the era that your grandparents lived in like racism and otherism generally speaking be it india or here or whatever was 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 more a more accepted part of society it was just oh yeah science, they really right? didn't they really were okay yeah. with it back yeah. then it was crazy yeah so that's the thing right like your grandfather like like no one is saying your grandfather wasn't like the loving family man that you perceive him to be but societally mm-hmm. speaking your grandfather was a racist like <laughs> plot, like textbook definition racist that doesn't make yeah. him like any less of a loving person to you sure that should maybe have you like not necessarily question his legacy, but look at his legacy in a more holistic way. Yeah. But I think that's what it is. It's just like in one person or in one idea, it can exist like completely contradictory truths. And like maybe getting away from the idea of what is true and false. And like what I was saying earlier, where like Mm -hmm. you have to think about things in an absolutist, like labeled way is something that would help us more. Because I feel like if you get away from absolutism and you think about it from a relative lens, 
you are forced to then ask other people like, oh, what is your perspective on this thing? Mm. You're forced to have dialogue. You're forced to try and come to some degree of understanding about like, how do we look at this thing differently? Is it two different things to begin with, et cetera? And I mean, I think if anything, that's kind of what's like missing in, in, in our world today. Cause like we have these supercomputers in our pockets, yeah, but we just use them to like double down on our own stances as opposed to figure out what the other person's thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I, and I know why, because I feel like it's because it's a lot easier to not navigate those shades of gray. Like as much as I agree with what you said regarding Ben Simmons, I'm still going to tweet at some point in the future, Ben Simmons, <laughs> to China League. And I don't know why I'm going to do that, but, but like I definitely wait for a while longer now. Like when I was younger, that went straight to tweets. Now it's like I actually think about, do I want to? Maybe I should reverse the wording and the verbiage because I don't want to, like at least with him because it's irrelevant, right? Because he's, I mean, in general, it's like sports is fun for me. It's not something to really stress out. But I understand more like in terms of the things that are impacting us as a community, like real significant things. Those are things that we should definitely take time to, you know, <laughs> explore the various shades of gray. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it, you know, I think the reason is because like on Twitter, like there's much more value in being a troll than to tell the truth. Right. Because it's just like 100% extremist out of like left field shit at the end of the day is going to get more views or more likes or more retweets or whatever the hell it is. And like, you know, the, the, the algorithm also wants that, right. It's, it's really, really hard for you to monetize nuance. Yeah. Right. It's just so difficult. It's like nuance by its definition is something that's kind of like, it's not cogent. It's not cogent. It's not tangible. It's not palpable. You can't see, touch or feel it. It's just like a thing that, you know, that's there. Right. It's just like, when you're thinking about things in the sense of like ones and zeros, you can't really pick up on nuance that well. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's, um, I would always say like, uh, because I believe empathy is undervalued, but there's really no market for nuance. Like there's <laughs> no, there's no demand for it. No one's out there demanding, oh, I need like a take that's like cohesive and well thought out. And if it is, it's probably behind a paywall anyway. So I guess that's probably where the market is at this sense. Now that I rethink this whole thing, yeah. But <laughs> oh, oh, but that's that's a good point. Yes, there there is no value for empathy. There is no value for nuance. Not in the current, like not in this economy. You know what I mean? Maybe in a future yeah. economy. And I, I mean, know. look, dude. I I think I think at the end of the day, like part of it is like the art of conversation as a whole, like doesn't exist or is not as important as it used to be. Mm. Right. Like. Interesting. You know, you, you you think about like meeting person conversation or just like, cause yeah, I know this yeah, is yeah. a little bit different from when you and I would talk in person. Obviously it is. I mean, yeah. 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 And, and I mean, look, it's like, you know, I mean, th- this is about as, as close or as, as real as it will get right now in a sense of like you and I, and we, we met up in person recently, but it's just like, in the internet world, like this is a Zoom yeah. meeting where you and I can hear each other and see each other's faces. But like, yeah. you know, I, I think about it in the sense of like, again, I can say as recently as like 15, 20 years ago, like when you were in an elevator with somebody, there was, there's a thing called small talk. Yeah. Like you weren't talking about anything important. It was like the weather, or the sure. sports or like whatever the hell it is. It was just like, it was a degree of acknowledgement to your fellow human being that like I'm here too. And like, we're going through the same experience together. Mm. And I just don't think that happens anymore. And I think that might be one of the things that like 
is a downfall of like how we generally use technology. Not to say that there aren't like yeah. abundant benefits of being able to connect people to do the same, mm-hmm. but like, it's just, it goes back to, I think our like discomfort piece of like, there used to be a thought process of like, Oh, you know, again, in college, I'm going to go walk up to that girl and I'm going to talk to her. Mm-hmm. I might fall flat on my face when I do that, <laughs> but I might not as well. And I'm never yeah. going to know what happens until I actually go out and do it. Sure. Right. Yeah. It's just like, that that like risk reward like equation i feel like at this point like when you think about like how do you go out and meet new people as like a single person it's like tinder right like yeah. the risk reward is do i swipe left or right like there is no real risk yeah which is why you see a lot of people just like constantly swiping right and be like i'll and, filter later and, and yeah exactly and then it's also like they feel way more comfortable saying absolutely disgusting things and not like you and i I don't, I've never really used dating apps. I don't believe you have either. We both got to meet our partners in person, like yeah. through, you know, before all of this, but also just like in person. Um, yeah, I know, like, and especially it's way worse for women on dating apps, like just some of the just gross shit that Dude, they get. I, I got to tell you that. Like, I mean, I. Does that happen to I, you? I mean, I, I've had weird experiences on those apps. And for, like I'll be the first one to say, like I, you know, I'm happily married. I've been mm-hmm. with my significant other for like. Would you like to share a little bit more about how you met? So because there's a story that you told me that I found very nice, and I think it should be shared. Yeah. So I mean, it's 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 really interesting, right? Because um, for for those listening to get a better sense of who I am, like born in India, raised here. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like Bollywood is a super important part of my life as a result, right? Just natural. Yeah. And the classic like Bollywood movie or line or scene that I can think of is Kuch Kuch Hotai. But there's a, there's a scene in the movie where it's just like, what is love? Right? Shah Khan just, or someone in the class asks like, what is love? And a lot of people like think about like Shakespearean type answers or like, you know, poetic mumbo jumbo that doesn't exactly mean anything or is a real definition. And I forget what it is, but like one of the characters says like, love is friendship. Mm. it's friend it's like this is your effectively like your best friend the person you can tell all your secrets to etc like whatever you imbibe like very good friendship to be but you know usually in someone that you are attracted to who's going to be a partner etc so you know either consciously or subconsciously that's always been in the back of my mind where i was just like the person that is going to end up being my significant other has to be like a great friend of mine yeah and it's funny because my wife and I, her name is Carla. We met each other uh, in the first month of freshman year. And I, I, she still gets upset when I say this, but like, I thought she was like, you know, effectively a mean girl because she had this like face where like, it was, it, it, it like was unconsciously telling me like, don't come talk to me. Don't waste my time. Mm-hmm. Like, cause it's funny because like that, you know, that lasted maybe a month, but like we became really good friends in college. Mm-hmm. And we stayed really good friends throughout college to the point that like we saw each other date, like, you know, the people that we dated. Yeah. We saw each other like drunkenly make out with people at bars. Mm-hmm. We saw each other through highs. We saw each other through lows. Yeah. And it was sort of like a crescendo effect where we, our friendship just became better and better, better. We became closer and closer and closer. And yeah. I'd always had this nagging thought in my mind where I was like, wow, you know, at some point, if and when I'm ready to like think about settling down or something, like I would love to end up with someone like Carla. Mm. And as this like crescendoing effect happened is what I was talking about. Like, you know, by the, by the end of this first act, I was like, shit, like, you know, 
if not someone like Carlo, not Carlo. Mm-hmm. And kind of came to that realization. I realized that I'd kind of been moving that way anyway. Like Carla and I joke about it. We used to, we had this like one conversation, maybe my, our junior year where, you know, it was, it was winter break and we had this like two or three hour, like, you know, video chat, which at that time was a novel thing. You didn't yes. like talk to people over video like that. Yeah. And we were both in like a place where we were kind of like fed up with, with, you know, the genders that we were attracted to. And we we're just like, listen, mm-hmm. at this point, let's just call it what it is. If you and I are single when we're 30, let's just mm-hmm. give up. We get along with each other. Mm-hmm. Let's just like, you know, let's just do it. We'll get married. And mm-hmm. it was funny because we then planned like, what was it like, an elaborately detailed wedding? Like <laughs> you, we would have X, we would have Y, like we can't invite these people, et cetera. It was just, like, it was a great conversation. Sure. But I think that's what it was. It was just like, to a degree, like my confidence grew from a point of, I was like, well, someone like Carla to Carla. But that raises mm-hmm. this new question where I was like, damn, you know, that the Kuch Kuch Hotai doesn't say like, oh, okay, cool. You should fall in <laughs> love with your friends. Obviously, Shah Rukh Khan gets every girl in those movies. Sure. I was like, Carla is like one of my best girlfriends, mm-hmm. right? And I've been someone who's always valued like female friendship because, you know, like I, I've never been a guy who's fr- been friends with just dudes because I really value like yeah. female perspective. Like women are really important in my life. And it also goes back to what you were saying where like at that time, you know, especially younger men, there's like a thing like you're not talking about oh, your yeah, feelings. Yeah, yeah. You're just like supporting each other through shit times without talking about it. And there's yeah. different ways in which we engage with our, with our friends. Yeah, so I feel that. I had a crisis where I was just like, wow, do I take this risk? Do I like, you know, go up to this girl and tell her how I feel? Mm-hmm. Because the downside of it is, you know, she doesn't reciprocate. And on top of that, I lose one of like the most valuable like female friendships that I have in my life. Mm-hmm. And that crisis like kind of ate at me for a few months where instead of just talking to Carla, I would find excuses to spend time with her. Like mm-hmm. anytime her and her roommate needed something done at the apartment, like I was the guy. I went to go do that. Anytime, out of the like movie, nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I, I was, I was, nice. I was literally like their, their, their handyman. Sure. Um, <laughs> anytime like she was out at a bar, which is like even within like earshot of where I was, I would find a way to end up getting there. Yep. And in due time like we kind of build talking to each other more regularly into our routines where like Mm -hmm. every single day like we were talking to one another and even then it it was like again i'm super risk averse in this situation because i don't want to lose this friendship it was like regardless of whatever the quote-unquote signs were i made myself ignore them Mm. i was like nah this is just like her being a good friend this is her like using you as someone to lean on like you're a you know you're you're a best friend type figure in your life there's there's nothing is gonna happen here and then one of the, the most destructive things I started doing during this period was I would get really drunk and tell her friends that were also kind of my friends how I felt, uh, really with the hope that one of them would either have insider information and just tell me, being like, dude, it's not worth it, or dude, it is worth it. Okay. Or realistically, I was hoping that one of them would maybe like tread the waters for me mm. and come back to me with the information. Sure. So funny enough, that actually happened. Mm-hmm. Carla was away for a weekend at like a friend's birthday and her friend mm-hmm. got blackout drunk <laughs> and Carla and I, you know, like we always do, we're like texting each other and this friend apparently like saw a text message or something uh-huh. and just like verbal vomited wow. my feelings out to Carla. Okay. And <laughs> that's, that's when like, you know, it was funny because Carla had to make the first move because some, like one of her other friends, like once this was like kind of open conversation in her friend group was like, look, 
I think he loves you. I think he's been in love with you for a while, mm. but it's just like, he's way too afraid of like ruining the good thing that you guys already have. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to do it or like, you're going to miss out on this opportunity. Yeah. And you know, there's night we were watching the Mets game, which is hilarious. Cause like, she, you know, I don't think we've watched sports together since, <laughs> but you know, she kind of used that as an opportunity to be like, you know, in, in a summarized fashion, like, you idiot are you going to like say something or make a move or like do i have to do everything you know it's like mm-hmm. what <laughs> and that's kind of how it happened so <laughs> it's just funny because i feel like a little bit of a hypocrite telling people like be comfortable with growth and change and no, like take no, a risk no. etc when it's just like in in the most important relationship of my life i didn't necessarily do that no but it's something that you it, you learn from and i remember you had told me like after you were like you never thought you would be with someone like her until you realize that like you could be with her right like you never you mentioned that to me and I thought that that was a very sweet thing to say because that's something where you that's where you learn right you learn like if I take those initiatives if I do something outside my comfort zone it the reward is you know it could be something amazing and of course you know seeing your guys relationship blossom and you know be where it is now and it's funny that you guys had planned an elaborate wedding. <laughs> oh, and we didn't have one. We didn't have anything closer because we got married during COVID. We sent Zoom links to our friends. It was great. I, uh, um, just for the listeners, and I also told them this in person, there was a Western and an Eastern, and my dumbass thought, oh, West Coast, East Coast. And then only when I showed up on the Eastern, I was like, why is everyone wearing traditional Indian clothes? Oh, my God, they meant Eastern as in, like, and Ultra, I remember- yeah. <laughs> Cultural, not coastal time, but whatever, dude. It's, it's a fun story. Uh, funny. Yeah, I have a good time. Well, you know how I'm like. Sometimes I'm just, my head's in the clouds and I'm not really paying attention. Everyone's got those blind spots, man. <laughs> yeah, Every single one of us do. Yeah. Like, I, but believe it or not, like for the longest time, like I still need to think about left or right. <laughs> like, literally, like basic kindergarten directions. Uh, that's good. You know what? Um, I was going to say, I had mentioned this to you as well, but I really appreciate you coming on the pod. I really appreciate you being my my guest this week. I think I think other people. It's important for other people to listen how you can help others uh, with the resources that we now have as you know capital A adults, as well as taking those risks and you know doing things outside of your comfort zone because you're able to find that you learn a lot more about yourself as well. And at the end of the day, if that's all that can happen, I mean, that's a great lesson to learn. I wanted to ask you, what are you planning for yourself? You had mentioned this move, all of these changes, but is there anything that you're planning on or working on for the next year or so? I mean, there's, there, there are a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like, I think part of like the, the career change in and of itself has been to go to a company that's a little bit smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at a really large, like multinational firm before this. So yep doing something where I can more tangibly see the impact that I'm making mm-hmm. in terms of the work that I do, finding out better ways to kind of have like that, that output that I have at work, like be more meaningful to me individually, where yeah. like my, my incentives as an employee as, and that of like the firm that I work for are a little bit better aligned mm-hmm. to take more risk and risk in the sense of, again, like, doing things that are uncomfortable but will pay out and then yeah i think the other thing too is like to to really figure out a way to leverage my ability to like talk to and connect with people in a way that is beneficial for both them and me yeah i i think like i i'm i'm in a position right now where 
I have the benefit of the experience that I do and would like to share that wherever is necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, doing that with some of like the, the community service work. And um, I think really just like kind of being more intentional about everything that is going on rather than being on autopilot or like thinking through like my life as a set of like to-do list checklist items that I have to knock off. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. That's a good way of looking at it. And um, there's this, uh, KT coined this phrase once, a heat check. It's when you take a shot at 4 a.m. right before the bar closes. And I use this in a bit that we've just started for like three episodes ago. Uh, heat check for you uh, before we wrap up. Uh, how do you see the NBA, fi- how do you see the rest of the NBA playoffs working out? Dude, I am very much like down for this like Chris Paul redemption arc that is like <laughs> going on right now. Like, you know, we, we, the Clippers and the Suns are going to play tonight. Yep. I, I want the Suns to beat the Clippers. Um, I, I, I feel like, you know, just like the momentum behind them, like whoever the Eastern Conference team is, like, I really do think like, you know, a healthy Suns team can beat them. Because at the end of the day right now, the Suns are the only fully healthy team if you think about it, right? Like we've got Giannis and the Bucks, like being a little bit questionable. Yep. Trey Young and the Hawks are a little bit questionable. The Clippers mm-hmm. don't have Kawhi. Yep. So I, I don't know. Like I, I think, you know, Chris Paul is one of those guys that like absolutely deserves his flowers. And mm-hmm. he's definitely someone who should get off of the whole, like, you know, quote unquote Charles Barkley list of some of the best players that mm-hmm. never have won a ring. So I I I think that's that's what I'm here. That's what I want to happen. And honestly, like. You know, you can make a good argument for any of these teams because with the exception sure. of the Bucks and Clippers, I guess, like you wouldn't think of any of them kind of being here at this point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I, I, I want that 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 Chris Paul Cinderella run to actually go down. Okay, I like that. And uh, how can people engage with you online? Do you want people to engage with you online, talking basketball or? Yeah, I mean, look, it's or, at the end of the day, or uh, even my... about change. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm available on Facebook. I'm available on um, Instagram. My handle being Oshkosh Bagosh, like the brand, Lovely. except uh, instead of the, the first letter being an O, it's, it's A. Um, and then beyond that, look, if anybody like, you know, listens to this and wants to reach out to you, to, to me through you, like, you, mm-hmm. you know me, dude, I'll, I'll connect with just about anybody. Oh, and then obviously the professional one on LinkedIn. So, any any way that someone feels inclined or I can help or shoot shit with, like always down to have a chat. Awesome. Thanks for being my guest this week, Ash. I really appreciate it. And do you want to stick around for a little bit before you have before we both have our next meetings? To, yeah. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Thanks again. Later.